Thank you, choir, David. Every time I hear that song, I just go back to Mendicant Ridge in Colorado, the great Rocky Mountains. And I just got to share it with you. Again, you probably heard it. You probably get tired of hearing it, but I don't. So I just got to say it. I was sitting there, and we had been hunting. And I'm up at about 11,000 feet. I don't know if you've ever been 11,000 feet in a mountain before. But I'm just sitting on the side of this mendicant ridge. And I'm looking out over God's creation. I probably can see 1,000 miles. I know hundreds of miles. Forever. Just mountains, beautiful. And look out across the, the western range of Colorado. And it is just gorgeous. Beautiful day. And that song, I sit in a lofty mountain. And I feel the breeze blow. Boy, I felt a breeze that day. And the birds singing. And I could hear the elk bugling down in the valley. Oh, it was beautiful. I just started singing that song. My God, how great you are. I don't care if I get an elk. I don't care if I ever come off this mountain. God, you are great. And I just had a good time, just me and the Lord. Just worshiping some of the sweetest times of my life. Just alone with God. I, I wouldn't trade that memory for nothing in my life. I can't wait till we get to heaven. Just to be in his presence and just think, God, how great you are. Worthy is the Lamb. So that just did good for me. I'm done now. We can go home. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. And I'll probably share it again because... That was such a special time to me, and I, I hope that if you've never experienced it, God, I just pray God will just allow you just to get alone with him sometime and just worship him and then feel his presence all around you. It is the most amazing thing I've ever experienced in my life. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, uh, this same passage is recorded in um, Matthew's Gospel and Luke's Gospel. But I just picked Mark's today just to, uh, it seemed to, to, to tell the, what, what uh, I felt like the Lord was trying to get across as we look at Mark's account of this uh, that took place. As we know, Mark looked at Jesus as a suffering servant uh, who came for, to die for the sins of the world. And, and um, we're going to look at verses 27 through 37. Now Jesus had been been teaching and healing people and and all the rest and uh, we're just going to pick up on on 27 it says when Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi and by the way he asked his disciples saying unto them who do men say that I am and they answered John the Baptist but some say Elias and others say one of the prophets And he said unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that uh, saying openly, uh, 
And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Father, as we study your word, I ask that the Holy Spirit would, would guide and direct and teach us this morning. I ask for the words to say that you would have me to say, not my own, but yours. That you would just convict us and convince us of the truth of your word. Lord, enlighten us so that our eyes would see and that our hearts would be changed. And that we'd be doers of the word we hear today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning, uh, uh, probably one of the biggest problems that we have as Christians, and I would say even the biggest problem in our society today is denying self. Have you ever had that problem? To deny yourself, Jesus says to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Now what exactly does that mean? Uh, a lot of people have looked at that. I, I don't know. A lot of these verses here are disturbing to some people. Uh, what, what does that mean? What is exactly is Jesus trying to say? Well, I want to look at that today. I want to show that. But the root of what's going on here is Jesus is saying to die. Why is it so important for us to not deny self? I mean, you, you look at the, the people around the world on the internet and all the rest, and everybody's got, it's my right. I can do what I want to. And you got it from all different groups and organizations and, and all the rest, all screaming and hollering, my right. And I believe it's got our world in a messed up situation. Yes, you have rights. But you only have God-given rights. You only have the rights that God gives you. God allows you. Why is it so important uh, to deny self to become a Christian? Why is it so important for a Christian to daily deny self? That's what Luke says in his gospel. We'll look at that in a minute. He said, Luke adds the word to deny yourself daily. Take up your cross. Why is that so important? Why was, what was Jesus trying to teach his disciples here? Well, let's look at the, 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 the verses here and let's put them in their context to try to understand exactly what he was telling the disciples, what he was telling the people around, around them. First of all, in verse 27, it says, They went out in the towns of Caesarea and Philippi. Um, Wednesday night people, we know where Caesarea is, don't we? We know about that. Uh, and he asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they answered, well, you're a prophet or you're Elisha. It says Elias, but that's Elisha. Uh, some say you're John the Baptist, mixing them up a little bit. Some were not sure. Right? Who do they say that I'm in? And Jesus made a point. He says, uh, but, but that, that's all good and everything. But he's talking to the 12 and he says, who do you say that I am? 
Now, did Jesus need them to explain to him who he thought he was? Do you think Jesus didn't know? You can shake your head yes or no. It's okay. I mean, you can either say yes or no. I mean, it's all right. Y'all can talk to me. Do you think Jesus needed them to say so Jesus would know? So Jesus would say, well, am I doing a good job? Am I getting my message clear? Is it apparent to them who I am? Is Jesus doing a self-check here? I don't think so. See, Jesus knows the hearts of each and every man. He knows the hearts of me and you. He doesn't need to do a self-check. He knows he's doing a good job. He knows he's doing a thorough job. It wasn't that he needed confirmation to know that. He wanted the disciples to make a confession here. That is the first step of salvation. What does Romans uh, 9.10 say? That if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So here is a point where Jesus is saying, hey guys, you need to make a decision here. Who am I? Not who they say I am. Not who the other disciples, but who do you say? I want to ask you today, who do you think he is? Peter pipes up with the right answer and he says, thou art the Christ. Oh, Peter, I love Peter. He's got an answer for everything. By the way, it's hot in here today. Whew, it's hot. Thank you. Who do you say him? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ. He's got an answer. He always he blurts it out. Anybody can count on Peter. He's gonna tell it how it is, right? And and, and this he was exactly right in his confession. Uh, he, thou art the Son of God, the promised Messiah. Now remember, all the Jews, were, all of Israel was looking for a Messiah. All of Israel was looking for uh, a king. You understand that? Now keep that into context. You've got to understand what's going on at the time. They were under Roman oppression. Israel was not on their own. They were, they were being ruled by Rome. And they weren't really a whole nation by themselves. So they were looking for a Messiah, somebody to deliver them from this oppression. Someone to be king, to set up Jerusalem as was promised to Abraham, a father of many nations. We talked about that last week. The promise to David that you would, have, you would be over my uh, Jerusalem forever and forever. You'll set up a kingdom that will be no end. That's what Israel was looking for. Back then, they were looking for this Messiah, for the king to come. And uh, Paul had it, or Peter had it right, didn't he? You aren't the Christ. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You will be King of kings and Lord of all. You're going to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant. You're going to fulfill the promise to David. And we'll, Israel will be a nation. That's the context of what's going on here. That's the mindset of Peter and the disciples and all of Israel at the time. They hoped to, to begin because of this confession, because Christ was there. They were hoping this was the beginning of the kingdom. You see that later in the verses in, in this scripture and others. Where, where the disciples ask him, he says, hey, when you set up your kingdom, let me be at your right hand. 
Remember that? They wanted to be part of the royalty. They wanted to be part of the rulers. When, when Jesus set up his kingdom, don't forget me. Let, let me be at your right hand. I want to be your right hand man. He says, you don't even know what you ask. See, they, they forgot one small detail. Jesus didn't come at this point to be king of kings and lord of lords. He came to die for the sins of the world. They didn't understand that. They didn't grasp that. But this is what they were looking for. Then Jesus takes all their joy and all their hopes and just seems to just sort of crush them. And and they just all come crumbling down. Look what he says next. Um, He says, they charge no man to tell. Now why would you, you see that several times in Scripture. You ever wondered why Jesus said he'd he'd heal people and he'd cast out a demon and he'd do that. And he said, now don't go tell anybody. Right. You just healed me. I've never been able to walk and you don't want me to tell somebody? Let me tell you something. We've been telling everybody we know another baby boy is coming. It's hard not to share good news, isn't it? I got more news that I can't share. I could. No, I better not. Yeah, I better. Oh, yeah, I'm going to. I was told on Father's Day I'm going to have another baby boy. Now they haven't gone to the doctor yet and everybody's supposed to be quiet. But I can't keep it quiet. How do you expect the people, he never walked again, he cast out a demon, I don't go tell nobody. I can't keep my mouth shut over a baby boy. Over another grandchild coming, I'm excited. And if you think I'm excited, talk to her. (laughs) She can't keep her mouth shut. I told people Wednesday night, I said, I have no problem keeping a secret. It's just all those people I tell. They can't keep their mouth shut. But go tell no one. See, I think the reason he did that and the reason he would do it, he didn't want enough. All of Israel's looking for a king. They're looking for a Messiah. They're looking for one to come set up a kingdom that Israel could rule and no longer be. See, if, if, if this was the case, thou art the Christ, thou art the Son of God, you are the Messiah. And that got out to everybody. What do you think would have happened? If they started preaching that, the Messiah's come. The king is here. See, first Jesus knew they didn't understand what he was here for the first time. But even if it was right, there would have been a great revolt. There was already some trying to revolt against Rome and to overthrow Rome and to get out under their rule. And now that we have a king, it's all out. Let's do it. Jesus said, no, that's not what this is about. Don't go tell, don't be going and preaching that the Messiah, the King of Kings is here. Don't be going and telling everybody that. Not right now. You'll see why I'm here. But I'm not here because of what you think. Now, how do I know that? Now, I know I'm adding a lot there. But if you read on down through the scripture, uh, he says, uh, don't go tell anybody. Uh, the kingdom is not quite here yet. It's not the time yet. He said that several times. My time has not yet come. And many of them must have thought that his time to set up his, his kingship No, he says, my time to die for the sins of the world has not yet come. That I be glorified. And he he began to teach them. After he said, don't go tell anybody. 
Uh, Peter's made this confession. You are the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the coming King. Don't go tell anybody. And in verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now Jesus didn't tell me he's going to die on a cross, did he? He just said, I'm going to die. And after three days rise again. Do you think they fully understood what he just said? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Because you see Peter's response, and usually Peter uh, responds because he's so vocal and outward, but usually when he responds, he's responding to what the rest are thinking. He's just one, he's not afraid to say it out loud. You ever met anybody like that? I got a couple in my family. You will just wonder where you're at with them. Just ask them. They'll let you know. Well, there's Peter. And he says, he says, I'm going to be killed. This is not what they wanted to hear. This is not the fulfillment of the promise of Abraham and, and David that, that you would come and die. This is not a fulfillment. This is not what we're talking. When I said you're the Christ, Peter must have thought, I wasn't saying anything about dying. I was talking about setting up a kingdom. Huh. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not what this is about. But look at what Peter said. He, and, he, and he said uh, that saying openly. He told them all. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. I mean, Peter just sort of grabbed him by the arm and said, Hey, what in the world are you talking about? You can't discourage everybody like that. We're all looking for a king and you're talking about dying? A king can't, a dead king can't rule? What are you talking about? Surely this is not the will of God that you die. Don't be thinking, don't be talking like that. Don't be going there. Peter's saying, he's rebuking Jesus. Uh, what are you talking about? And the suffering, uh, kings don't suffer. What, what we need now, we don't need you to die and to suffer. We need a king. We need to overthrow Rome. We need our own country back. Don't be talking about that. But then Jesus, when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. Whew. That's pretty strong. Now, I don't know in my life that I've ever called anybody Satan. But I think if I did, you'd probably be ready to fight. I know I would. Get thee behind me, Satan. Those are probably the sternest or, or the harshest words that Jesus ever said. But I don't think he was talking directly to Peter. See, he knew where Peter's instigation was coming from. And he knew, just like he told Peter later, he said, Satan would sift you as wheat if I let him. So he's looking directly at Peter, but he's talking to Satan. Don't you use my boy. Get thee behind me, Satan. And he's also talking to Peter. Peter is, is very confused about what's going on. He doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. He knows what he wants. He know, he's excited about his confession that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the coming King. This can't be. You ever been there? This just can't be, Lord. 
Surely this is not the way you wanted it to be. Get thee behind me, Satan. He says, you don't have, uh, the NIV says, get thee, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have the mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Satan, you don't care anything about God. Peter, you don't have any concerns of your own. All you're concerned about is what takes place to human nature. All you care about what happens is to you and your brother. You're not anywhere near thinking about what God the Father has a plan for. You're not even beginning to look at it. I think that's a lot of our problems sometimes. We get in a difficult situation and we want to argue with God and we forget that God's got a bigger plan than we got. God may be working something that you don't even understand, but you want to argue with God based on what you think you know. Hello? The reason I, you know how I know that? Because I do it about every day. I'm just going to tell you that. Every day we struggle with this, right? God, surely this is not the way you want it to be. Surely it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, we want to argue with God and we want to we want to have a conversation with God to try to convince God how we think things should be. And God says, get thee behind me. The Father knows what he's doing. And I'm all about the Father's will. Peter, you're more interested than what you want, than what God wants. Are you more interested than what you want or what God wants? Just talking to myself too. Verse 34, then Jesus gives an invitation. He explains, how do I get beyond what I want? How do I get beyond, uh, I mean, all I know as a human being is what human beings think. I've never been to heaven. I've never seen God face to face. How do I get beyond what all I know? How do I get beyond my flesh? What I, all that I know, that is what my flesh is. And in verse 34, and when he had called the people unto him, he gives an invitation. With his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Or let them deny, let her, let him. I don't believe it's just for men or just for women. It, it, he is calling to all people. Uh, to deny self, I, I looked that up, Vines says to separate from yourself. That's what it is to deny yourself, to, to forget about oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. Huh. How many got that one down? You're, that's no problem for you, right? And not me. I mean, I wake up every morning and I, I try to say a quick prayer and I get my coffee and I'll try to read my Bible and, and a lot of times I just get distracted about you know what I'd really like to do today? You know what I really want to do today? I want to do this. I want to do that. When I ought to be saying, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What would you have me to do? What would you like for me to do today? Lord, help me do that. But no, I, 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 I want to do this. I want to go do that. That thing's too close to me. It's giving me claustrophobic. 
but to separate from yourself, to, to lose sight of yourself. Uh, John said it real, uh, said it best, I believe. Uh, his disciples came to him, and John, you don't have to turn there, John chapter 3, verse 26 through 30. His disciples came to him, and he said, To whom thou, uh, let's see, the rabbi, he that was with thee beyond the Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men come to him. In other words, uh, teacher, you remember that Jesus guy that you baptized in the Jordan? Do you know he's out baptizing people now? Do you know he's pre and do you know he's got a large following, even bigger than yours, John? Who? Yeah. That church down the road, they got more cars in the parking lot than we do. Do you know that? I mean, they bring a bus all the way down here to this store and take it back to their church. How dare they come into our territory? That's what they were doing. How dare they come into... Now, it really convicted me today. This is not about Bethel Baptist Church. This is not about Rehoboth or Lutherville or Change or Grantville or uh, some church in California. This is about the body of Christ. The church of God. And, and I had a person from a church. I don't even know the name of the church, but it's a friend of mine from many years ago. He just texted me this morning. He said, Brother, I just want you to know Every Sunday morning, our church prays for another church and for their pastor. And today we chose you. You talk about humble. You talk about humbling that someone that doesn't even know me is praying that God will move and that God will lead others to him. Wow. And that really impressed me. It's not about just here. This is about the kingdom of God. We ought to be praying for one another if they don't go to our church. I got off on a sidetrack, but his disciples were tough. Do you know that church is coming down here? Do you know they're doing that? And, and that game is played a lot in churches. It's like we're in competition with one another. We even do it within our own church. There's no competition here. It's his church. And I'm to serve under him. I, I got to move on. Um, but he says he baptizes and, and all men come to me. And Jesus and, and John answered his disciples. And he said, a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven. You know that? Matt, you can't preach unless God gives you the ability to preach it from heaven. Clint, you can't teach Sunday school unless God gives you the ability. Robin, you can't play the piano unless God gives you the ability. Deacons, you can't lead unless God gives you the ability. That's what John's saying there. Any ability, anything that you have is comes from God. And you need to understand that. And he told, John told his disciples that. He said, you yourselves bear witness. In other words, you, you've heard me say it. You're a witness to the, that I said I'm not the Christ, but I'm sent before him. And he talks about the bride and the bridegroom and how they would rejoice greatly. But listen to what he says in verse 30 of, of John chapter 3. He says, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
Now John was saying, I'm the forerunner, and as Jesus' ministry grows, my ministry is going to fade away. But what a lesson there. As I come uh, and I get saved in my walk with God, and as I get closer to what He wants me to be, do you know what? I must decrease, and He must increase. That's what he said. That's what is to deny self, to deny all that I'm doing and, and, and all the rest. I must decrease. He must increase. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not the horse whisperer, but I got the chance to meet the horse whisperer. And I worked with some horses one time, and I know this sounds like it's not, it has nothing to do with it, but it does. There's this guy, he, he believes that you shouldn't whip a horse or be mean to a horse. It's, it's not necessary. He understands that horses are, are uh, pack creatures. What's the other word for horses? Uh, they run in packs and groups and herd creatures. Huh? Herd creatures. And they've got a leader, right? And sometimes one of them will fight to be the leader. And whoever wins, now he's the leader. That's in their nature. You know, that's in dogs' nature. That's in a lot of animals' nature. Somebody wants to be dominant, so they're the leader of the pack. Well, this horse whisperer understands all that, and I, I learned from him some techniques to understand you don't have to beat If you beat them, all you're doing is fighting, and they're, you know what? they're going to fight back because they don't want to lose the leadership. And a big 1,200-pound, 14-pound horse, trust me, is going to win if he wants to. So here's what he says you do. Now my cousin, my, my nephew, he was trying to get a horse to load in a trailer in Locust Grove. And he worked with that thing all afternoon. And he calls me up and says, Oh, Kenny, I'm at my wits end. I can't get this horse. Do you think you could come help me or do you think Mr. Cannon, Mr. Cannon was the other one that taught me that. You think he could come help me get this horse in this trailer? He'd been out there for hours. I said, well, Mr. Cannon's not available, but I'll come see what I can do. Maybe I learned enough from him to figure it out. So I drive an hour or so to Locust Grove from my house. Guess what? He's still fighting with that horse trying to get in the trailer. And I just come to that horse and I, with what I'd been taught, I just grabbed his reins and I just sort of rubbed him outside the trailer. And we just took off walking. And we just walked way down in the pasture, and I just walked around with him, talking to him, carrying on, and just having a good conversation. We'd stop, and I'd talk to him and pet him, and a good horse. And I just walked back up to that trailer and walked up to that trailer and just walked right up in there, and he just walked right there with me. And my nephew just looked at us, how did you do that? I said, he had to learn that I was someone that was trustworthy enough to be followed. That I knew where I was going. That I was going to lead him in safe direction. That I was going to take care of his best interests. And that's all I did. It took me about five minutes. And I loaded him in. Not that I'm great. I learned it from the horse whisperer. Why did I say that? If you're going to deny yourself then you've got to go to a leader. Who's your leader? Is Jesus proven to you that he's trustworthy to be followed? 
then why don't you follow him? Why don't you let, why don't you just deny yourself, forget about yourself, all your interests, all your desires, and say, God, I know you love me unconditionally. I know you have my best interests at heart. I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me. I think our invitation of wherever he leads me, I will follow. Wow. I'm, not, I'm about halfway through. But see, that's some of the biggest problems in our church, or our, many churches, not just our church. Churches are split and broken up over somebody. I will not lose. I will not give in. I'm going to have my way. It doesn't matter. Is that denying self? No. And that splits and dis destroys more families and churches and, and, and different relationships all across our country day after day after day because someone does not want to deny themselves. And understand there's someone in control that's bigger than they are. There's someone in control that has their best interest at heart. There's someone in control that wants more for the, you than you want for yourself. And you have not denied yourself and made him Lord. That's what Jesus is saying. To deny self. Uh, if he said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to de desire, de uh, deny yourself and make me Lord of all. Look, do you not understand, especially if you're a born-again Christian, uh, you are his, right? He bought you with a price. When you said, Lord, I, uh, first, uh, Romans 9, 10, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, what does that mean? That means to make him Lord. That means to make him master. So if he's Lord and master, then what are you? A slave. What does a slave do? What the master tells him. Make him Lord. Deny yourself. And this is not something that, that uh, this is something he freely wants. It's not a, a burden or obligation. Uh, this church is here. All that you have, is, uh, this church is his. All that you have is his. All the abilities that you have, he gave you, as John said. You receive, no man can receive nothing except to be given to him by, from heaven. And when he called all the people, verse 34, I'm moving on quickly. I'm out of time. And when he called all the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Paul told the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, once again, the NIV says, I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He's Lord. He's the king of my life. He's the king of this earthly body. Jesus was a great example of that. He says, I've come from heaven not to do my own will, but to the, do the will of the Father. What an example to us, to do the will of the Father. Uh, and many of us take that, that part, take up your cross and follow me. You ever heard him say, yeah, we all got our cross to bear. 
all suffering is not a cross to bear. I mean, suffering is just something. I mean, people who aren't saved suffer, right? They don't have a cross to bear. All suffering is not a cross to bear. And I, I don't really care for that statement. It's just my cross to bear. Woe is me. Poor little me. I, I don't really care. The, the, the cross that Jesus is talking about here is the cross that, that to bear, the, to dying to yourself, dying to a world and serving Him, following me. Wherever I lead you, you'll go. You're dying to the world. You're dying to yourself. You're dying to your desires and your interest and, and you're looking to me. I think that's why it says, uh, uh, well, I just lost it. He'll give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean the desires I want. That means the desires he has for me I want. All right, got to move on. See, this suffering is, is, is the suffering is, is, is to bear for the gospel's sake. Uh, like I said, Luke adds to take up your cross daily. That means to die daily to myself. Anybody had to die to yourself today, this week? Well, I have. I'll be. I'll admit it. There's many times I have to die to myself, and I I get all puffed up about different things, and or I want to do this, and I know I shouldn't, and you know I or I know I should, and I don't want to. And Paul talked about that same problem in Romans chapter seven, right? This wrestling within us, and we've got to die to ourselves. I mean, just yesterday, now this is sort of a long story, and I won't go into all the details, but my son had purchased something back in January. We still don't have it. Six months later, I've been working back and forth with him and with his company, trying to get to help them to get this resolved. And boy, I tell you what, that's all I'm going to say about that. I've been waiting for six months. I get an email yesterday morning from the owner of the company and says, Mr. Heinzel, I emailed you and it is very important that you give an immediate response. Whoo! I've been waiting on you six months. You emailed me yesterday and you want a response today? Who do you think you're talking to is what I wanted to say. I wanted to text him and say, where are you at? I want to meet you face to face, brother. That's what I wanted to do. I'm not your employee. I'm your customer that's already paid for a product that you haven't delivered. That's what I wanted to say. Oh, I feel better. I said it. <laughs> oh, I wanted to give it to him. I wasn't being a very good preacher when I read that message. But I had to die to self and say, where's that going to get you, Kenny? What's that going to do for you? And as much as I hated to, I let myself die. And I said, Lord, you know my thoughts. You know what I really want to say. I just pray you just take hold of this situation and for, for the best. Even though I don't want to. <laughs> We've all been there, right? It's so easy to get all full of ourselves and puffed up and just let somebody have it with both brothers. Especially when you know you're right and they're wrong. One of the hardest things to do is when you're right and you know they're wrong, you just love them. 
and just, okay. For God's sake, for the gospel's sake, so they know that I'm a Christian and I love God more than I love any. I want you to see how Christians really act. I'm going to do what you said. I still don't like it. But I believe that was far better than what I was going to do. I died to myself just yesterday morning. That's dying to yourself. Uh, don't do what you know you shouldn't do. That's not going to get you anything that's going to hurt the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. What are you doing? What is God asking you to do? Is there something that God says, hey, you know what? Even though you're not really wrong, maybe you should go to that person and just ask them forgiveness or just ask them, is there something that I can do to help our relationship? That's a tough one too, isn't it? Even if you're not wrong. It's hard enough when you're wrong. But if you know you're not wrong and you still be the the person that Christ wants you to be, it says you, if you have ought against a brother, go to them. Work it out, he said. It, how many times does he say in Scripture that you be one, that you work and that you love one another? Not fuss and fight and quarrel. Die to yourself, he's saying. And i got to move on. I'm, I'm almost done. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall a private man if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? That's pretty tough there too. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I'm going to ask you today, and maybe none of you are here. I know we're Christian. I know we daily struggle. But it's my desire to let him be king and lord of my life. Do I do it every day? No. It's a constant battle. But see, if, it, if there's unsaved out there, I think this is their number one problem. They, they don't want to give up myself. I don't want to give up what I want. I want to do what I want to do. And God's not going to tell me nothing. God's not going to have his way. Uh, the rich man came to Jesus in Mark 10. And he ran to him and kneeled down, and he, I'm paraphrasing for time's sake, and he asked him, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. He said, You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Do not fraud. Honor thy father and mother. And then the rich man says, Oh, I've done all this from my birth. Jesus said, he looked at him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven. And listen to what he says. And come, take up your cross, and follow me. He says, see, Jesus could look on the heart of this rich man. He says, yeah, you, you've been a pretty good boy. Not as good as you think you have. But I know a fault you have. You won't deny yourself. You're too dependent on your riches. You're too dependent on what you can do and not what God can do. So here's what I'm going to give you. 
you want to follow me, make me Lord of your life. Make me master and you become the slave. Now, whether Jesus wanted him to sell it or not, I don't know. What he wanted was the man to be willing. It wasn't that he had to work to get to See, it was all about an attitude. To be saved, you must surrender your life and say, I want to make you Lord of my life. I believe that I am a sinner and you died on the cross for my sins. And God the Father has raised you from the dead to be Lord and King of my life. So see, this rich man didn't want to do that. He didn't want to give it. He didn't want to deny himself. He didn't want to deny his riches. He didn't want to get out of his comfort zone. So you know what he went? He went away sad and depressed because he was not willing to deny himself. That's the first step of salvation. And as Christians, that should be our daily, as Luke says, our daily desire to die to myself. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want to ask you today, what are you holding on to? You've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, and I think probably most of us in here have, all of us have. What are you holding on to? What's keeping you from making Him Lord? What do you want to do that's more important than eternity? That's more important than what God wants? And Christian, I want to ask you, you having a hard time dying to yourself? Your way to highway? I know what's best. You know, sometimes God just wants us to shut our mouth and be quiet and let Him take control. And know that the Father has all things in His hands. And just like that horse followed me right in the trailer, He wants you to just follow Him wherever He goes. He said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness. Deny yourself. Do what I want you to do. Don't you worry about it. You'll have everything that your heart desires. Not that you desired it, but I even put the desires in your heart to want that. I'll never leave you. Uh, David says, I've never seen the righteous for saying, you don't have to worry about this and that, and I'm not doing prosperity preaching. Don't believe in it. But I believe He'll take care of you no matter what. He'll give you grace to go through. He'll give you patience to go through and to do what He wants you to do. All He asks is that you deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Him. Father, we thank You for this day. Lord, this is a, a powerful message to me. As daily I struggle and daily I, I have my own pride and my wants and my desires. And, and Lord, I, I'll be the first to admit I, I have a hard time just dying to my, what I want. But Lord, it's my desire ultimately just to let you be Lord of my life. And I pray, Lord, that you would just do that. Thank you for teaching me and showing me the truths of your word. I pray for each and every one in here that only true joy comes when you are King of kings and Lord of lords in our lives. Lord, we can look to all kinds of things to fulfill and to bring happiness and joy. But only you can fill the void that we have to bring joy and happiness. 
Father, I pray for each and every one here today that they know you first of all as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, if they've done that, that you would just help them to understand that the only true peace, the only true joy, the only true happiness will come when we die to ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. Thank you, Father, for all that you've given us. We thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.